0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin." Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful God our Heavenly Father has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Oh Lord, I have trusted in Your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
1: The first lesson for the first Sunday after Trinity is written in the first book of Moses, known as Genesis, chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God.
0: To the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. By By the word of the Lord, were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. The, everything to be, <coughs> the earth is full of the goodness of God, the goodness. foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the love's righteousness and justice the earth is full of his unfailing love
1: The second lesson is written in the first letter of St. John, chapter 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command whoever loves god must also love his brother this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
0: Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.
1: The Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke, the sixteenth chapter.
0: Glory be to you. O
1: Lord. Jesus said, "There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table." Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot He said to him, if they do not receive, listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. Over the years I have fielded many more questions about what heaven will be like than about what hell will be like. I suppose that's natural since most people expect that heaven is where they are going to be and so they're curious about what it will be like. Though often these questions revolve around comparing some element of the, of the joys of this life and they're wondering if that will also be in heaven. Sometimes, though it seems that people are really trying to gauge whether or not heaven will be worth it. Whether it will be actually that much better than life Here on earth. The thing is, the Bible actually describes hell in more detail than it does heaven. Most of the time, heaven is described negatively. That is, it is described by what is not there. And what's not there are all kinds of things that you and I are familiar with from this fallen world. Crying, mourning, hunger, thirst, pain, and death. The exception, I suppose, is the simple description of heaven as paradise, which we really only know from that brief period of time on earth before the fall into sin. We don't have much experience with it. Even in our gospel for today, Depicting a man in heaven and a man in hell, Jesus only refers to heaven where poor Lazarus is carried with by angels after his death is described simply as Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side. Meanwhile, the destination of Lazarus's rich feasting but now equally dead neighbor is described in much greater detail detail that makes you shudder. It actually gives a name for this place, calls it hell, Hades in Greek. And not left to our imagination or myths to find out what this means, it is defined specifically as a place of torment and agony. But in agony, this man who goes there still is conscious He's still aware. He doesn't just cease to exist and poof like a smoke. He's aware of Lazarus and Abraham. He's aware of what he's missing out on, but they are far, far away. Abraham describes it as a chasm fixed between the two, which cannot ever be crossed. In other words, there is no end to this torment. There's no leaving this place. And it's described as agony due to the flames, the fire, leading to an undying thirst that can never be quenched, not even by a single drop of water on the tongue. Unquenchable fire. But not one that eventually, as most of our fires do, eventually burns up its fuel and dies out. No, this fire never ends. At the same time, this is a fire that gives off no light. For hell is described as an unending total darkness. Total separation from God, who is the light. Total unending darkness. And alone. Don't buy the line that says that hell can't be that bad if all my friends will be there. For this misery does not want, nor cannot receive any company. Even the man who falls into hell, he pleads with Abraham, send someone so that my brothers don't come here too. He wants no company. Elsewhere, the Bible describes it as a place of weeping and of gnashing of teeth. Weeping because of unending sorrow, pain and torment. Gnashing of teeth because of an unending spite and hatred. Elsewhere it is spoken of as the place where their worm does not die. A gnawing, devouring worm that forever rips you apart but never finishes is never satisfied. Hell is described throughout the scriptures in horrific detail but it does so not to satisfy our curiosity or to answer all of our questions we might have, nor is it done to make us feel better about ourselves by some sense of of schadenfreude, of a a twisted joy over the wicked getting their just desserts. No. The scripture details hell for us. It details the horrors of hell for us in order to horrify us. That we would not go there. The rich man thinks like we probably do. That if someone would just come down from, rise from the dead, and warn us, then we would repent. Then everyone would surely repent. Then we would all fear eternal death, more than the loss of earthly joys and we would not go there. But no. No, Abraham says you have Moses and the prophets. The scriptures that is. They warn us in horrifying detail. Let us listen to them. Understand. Understand that hell is the punishment for sin and for those who sin. That's what we meant when we said, we deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. Hell is the punishment for sinners like us. Sin like we are naturally inclined to do and also willfully commit, despite knowing better, Scripture describes hell in terrifying detail, frankly, to terrify us, to warn us. We hear Moses and the prophets correctly when it does so. To use our fear of eternal fire, perhaps, to outburn our burning sinful desires, so that the unquenchable thirst in hell might make us rethink our seemingly unquenchable thirst for overindulgence today. That we might see the loss of one's soul in hell as a warning against all kinds of greed here for all manner of things of this life that will be destroyed. St. James writes, Your silver and gold have rusted and their rust will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire." It's a warning to us not to fear man more than God. Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. But the scripture does not detail hell and warn of hell. Only to terrify us. It's not so that we will constantly live in, in fear, terrified, but so that we so that the fear of God instilled in our hearts would lead us to repentance. It is good to hear of hell. In fact, St. John Chrysostom says, nothing is more pleasant than this discussion about hell. For if the warning keeps us out of it, then these are sweet words indeed. You have Moses and the prophets. Listen to them. They do detail the horrors of eternal death in hell. They do call you to repentance. But they do not only tell of hell. The Bible doesn't give the same kind of details about heaven. It doesn't give us nearly as many descriptions of heaven as as it does of hell. It doesn't describe the reward of heaven in such rich detail, even to draw or incentivize you to enter into the narrow door. For certainly the glories of heaven and certainly not our desire or our efforts to get there will get us there. Your desire to go to heaven will not rescue you from hell. But what the Bible does describe in meticulous detail, far more than it describes this place of punishment, What the Bible does describe, more than anything, is Jesus, who came down from heaven on purpose to live on this earth, with its hungering and thirsting, with its crying and mourning, with its darkness and loneliness with its sickness and death. This Jesus, this son of Abraham, suffered all this for you. And even hell itself. For you. So that heaven is, by definition, to be with Jesus. Jesus says, today he will be with me in paradise with me. Saint Paul writes, and we will be with the Lord forever. Along with all others, including Abraham, who have placed their faith and their trust in him alone. And so the Bible details more than anything else, Jesus, that we might know him and love him. And to know all the more exactly what he has rescued us from. But you and I, we're not in heaven yet. And so life here for the Christian, for the one who is in Christ, with Christ in that sense, but not in heaven yet, this life here can never be hell. Even if you experience the worst kind of hellish tribulation, even if you suffer worse than poor Lazarus, you suffer the worst poverty or pain or loneliness or sickness or death. These things might feel like hell. But one, they're not. Two, Christ has truly suffered hell so that through him you will not. And three, To suffer with Christ and his cross is a blessing that he only gives to those whom he has rescued and will spare from hell. Luther says, he writes, Any truly godly person must have some taste of the pains of hell so that he may actually experience the evil from which Christ has delivered him and which each of us has earned with his sins. Nowhere does this taste come more dramatically, more directly than in the agony of death, if not before. But better if you see it coming. See it for what it is, and also for what it isn't. If you are in Christ then you will share in his sufferings and you will fall asleep in death. But even then, even then, Moses and the prophets, they do not terrify you, but comfort you. For you will not be forsaken by God, even in the worst, or by his holy angels. You will not burn, you will not be in agony anymore. You will not hunger or thirst or suffer or be alone anymore. You will not fall into hell, not in Christ. Then you can sing, Lord, let at last thine angels come. To Abram's bosom bear me home, that I may die unfearing, and in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until your reappearing. And then from death awaken me, that these my eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior, and my fount of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend. My prayer attend. And I will praise thee without end. Amen. Please do. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God, our Father in heaven, look with mercy on us, your needy children on earth, and grant us grace that your holy name would be hallowed by us and all the world through the pure and true teaching of your word and the fervent love shown forth in our lives. Graciously turn us from all false doctrine and evil living, whereby your precious name is blasphemed and profaned. Lord, in your mercy, may your kingdom come to us and expand. Bring all transgressors and those who are blinded and bound in the devil's kingdom to know Jesus Christ, your Son, by faith, that the number of Christians may be increased. Lord, in your mercy, strengthen us by your spirit according to your will, both in life and in death in the midst of both good and evil things, that our own wills may be crucified daily and sacrificed to your good and gracious will. Into your merciful hands we commend all who are in need, praying for them at all times, thy will be done. Lord, in your mercy, grant us our daily bread, preserve us from greed and selfish cares, and help us trust in you to provide for all our needs. Lord, in your mercy, Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us, that our hearts may be at peace and may rejoice in a good conscience before you, and that no sin may ever frighten or alarm us. Lord, in your mercy, lead us not into temptation, O Lord, but help us by your Spirit to subdue our flesh, to turn from the world in its ways, and to overcome the devil and all his wiles. Lord, in your mercy, and lastly, O Heavenly Father, deliver us from all evil of both body and soul, now and forever. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We trust, O Lord, in your great mercy to hear and answer us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God.
1: It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who on this day overcame death in the grave by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. and most merciful Father, send down upon us the grace of your Holy Spirit, and through your Holy Word be pleased to bless and sanctify these your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be the body and blood of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament, In my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me.
1: Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, glorious ascension, We give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever.
1: We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Just a quick reminder that you are invited to join us tomorrow evening, Monday evenings this summer, for our Music Bible Academy. Uh, We'll be looking at a hymn for the upcoming Sunday. I could could see when we were singing the hymn of the day, some of you who are here could sing it without looking. Um, So, invite you to come. That's at six o'clock. You can come at five thirty if you'd like to join us for a meal. Also note there are still a few empty spots on the sign-up sheets to help with those meals for this summer and the entryway. God be with you.